You're listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. As physicians, most of us lead fairly good lifestyles. We've become used to our creature comforts. We feel we've earned them. But September 11th changed the things that we took for granted. It awakened in us a desire to give back to our country and do more. What is it like to be a citizen soldier as a physician in the U.S. Marine Corps? And how do you deal psychologically and practically knowing that there could be impending deployment? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is Dr. Mark Plaster. Mark is an ER doc by trade at Harbor Hospital in Baltimore, but he also created and publishes an ED journal, Emergency Physicians Monthly, the most widely read free journal for emergency medicine physicians today. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today, Mark. Oh, you're welcome, Shira. You know, many may be listening to this show, and they may have a patriotic soul, and they want to be recruited to get involved. But the biggest reason not to do this in the reserves is the possibility of deployment. Is, is that reality? It is, but that depends, of course, on a lot of different factors. First off, I am a Navy doctor. The Navy provides the medical care for the Marine Corps, so I'm a lieutenant commander in the United States Navy attached to a Marine Corps unit. And is that where all physicians fall in who are in the supporting the Marines or in the Navy? That's correct. The Navy provides the medical care for the for the Marine Corps. To answer your question, you would think you would think that most people who would go into the reserves would not want to be deployed. But in actual fact, it's the exact opposite. There are people always they always have been throughout the history of the reserves who have lined up to be deployed because it's the nature of why they're there to start with, first off. Now, today, uh, you know, and I can say honestly, in 2003, when Operation Iraqi Freedom was started, people were falling all over themselves, including me, writing their senators and congressmen, trying to make certain that they were able to be listed, that they were in the volunteer list to go. You know, it's a very unpopular war now, and it's a whole different story, and, and people are, are not wanting to necessarily be deployed. But we're still finding people who are volunteering to go and certainly volunteering to be a part of, of the military. Now, the other part of your question is, what's the chances of, of someone actually being deployed, say, to a combat zone? Right now, unless you volunteer, from a reservist standpoint, the chances are very slim. So you don't necessarily wind up in Iraq or Afghanistan? No. In fact, I mean, I don't overplay this hand, but the Navy has some pretty sweet spots around the globe that a reservist can actually be deployed to do backfill, what we call backfill work. You know, if the emergency physician or surgeon or whoever in uh, Gaeta, Italy, which is right outside of Naples, gets deployed and gets pulled to, to cover a unit someplace else, they cover that spot with a reservist. So your deployment might be in Rota, Spain, or in Gaeta, Italy, or Hawaii, for that matter. I think if we only think of deployments in terms of going to a combat zone, then it's really kind of misleading. That's not really the case. And what happens at home when you're gone? How do you... Can you prepare for that? Well, that's one of the jobs that the Navy and the Marine Corps reserves constantly work on, and that is having the families and your and your colleagues and your, your, your practice constantly aware and prepared for you to be deployed. Nobody tries to make it a secret, and they want to make certain that families are mentally and financially and emotionally prepared for 
one or more of the, the family members, you know, to be gone. How do they do that? There's constant education going on. They demand that certain things that would create stress in your situation. For instance, do you have a will? Do you have a financial plan? Are you financially secure? What's the plan in the event of your health insurance, your life insurance, disability, and all that sort of thing? And, and they require you to keep all these things up. Because they know that certainly if you are deployed, that that will be a stress on your family if you're not prepared to go. And that wouldn't be the time to think about it. It's got to be in advance. To start asking questions about a will when you're getting on the plane to to fly someplace. (laughs) There's enough stress already that you don't need to add to it at that point. How do you deal with the psychological stress of waiting to be called? Because that's not predictable, right? When it happens or is it? Currently, when someone is needed to go someplace on a deployment, there's a volunteer list that goes out. And if you want to go, if you haven't uh, served time uh, that you would like to participate in that, then you volunteer to go. And nine times out of ten, they find people who want to go, who want to serve. Maybe it's even to their advantage to go. There's no income tax when you serve in a combat zone. So believe it or not, we usually find people who are very interested in going. If you just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 233 the Channel 4 Medical Professionals. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Mark Plaster, an ED physician who practices in Baltimore, Maryland, and we're discussing what it's like physically and psychologically to be deployed as a physician citizen soldier, a reservist in the Navy who's serving the U.S. Marine Corps. So tell us some more about your deployment to Iraq in 03. It was a shock for me as a previous civilian to understand the reality, can I put it that way, the reality of combat. Because, you know, you can talk about warfare and and you can see it on the news and such, but when I got onto a helicopter that was flying us into Iraq, and I thought, this is great fun. And then I saw these young uh, young men load up 50 caliber machine guns in the gun bays and start scanning below to see if anybody was going to be shooting up at us. And it suddenly dawned on me that there are people down there who might want to kill me. And I, I'll be honest, that was, a, that was a shock. And I think that most people, when they realize that there are people around uh, in various places who don't like us for various reasons, I think that's a reality check. And again, you, you were not in the military when you were younger. I had no military experience at all. I, the closest I'd ever been to a fight was boxing in high school. So I, I had no experience with anything that would suggest violence that was aimed toward me. Knowing that somebody's out there with a bomb or something else who's trying to kill you is, is certainly a reality. I know you got many stories. Could you tell us one story from that experience which changed your life or something that touched you? Yeah, you know, I think that the thing that that always has come to my mind because it was the motivating factor for me going in was taking care of somebody else's son, knowing that there might come a time that somebody would take care of my son. He was deployed at the same time, different place, but we were both serving in the theater, the war theater. There was a a young man who was a Marine who was on a a patrol uh, when an RPG round exploded and he received a shrapnel in his leg, a big chunk of metal in his leg. And in the process of doing that, it transected a major vessel in his leg. And the shock trauma platoon is forward deployed. It's up close to where the combat actually occurs for the very purpose of doing life-saving life and limb stabilization. And we had an operating room right next to us. We had trauma surgeons right there. And I was able to talk to this kid and stabilize him and reassure him and then go in with the surgeons and help them and not only removing the, the shrapnel but also 
putting in a temporary blood vessel that would go and supply blood to his lower leg and then and then take him out of that setting and then put him into a helicopter and fly, him, fly with him throughout the night and reassure him as we got to another hospital that finished up the surgery and saved his leg. You know, I, after it was all said and done, I realized that the whole time I had been there, if I did nothing else, I was there for that kid and I helped saved that kid's leg, and it made it all worthwhile. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Mark Plaster, an ED physician who practices in Baltimore, Maryland, and we're discussing what it's like physically and psychologically to be deployed as a physician citizen soldier, a reservist in the Navy who's serving the U.S. Marine Corps. So as a physician with the Navy supporting our Marines, you're kind of put in harm's way. You've got to be a backup for the front line. For the most part, I would say that the majority of reservists, medical types particularly, are going to be in situations that are highly protected, seldom exposed to real combat. We're not the people they they want to be exposed. We're not exactly experienced warriors. They want to put us in places where, where we can do the most good, and we can't help them if we are in danger. So... The shock trauma platoon is an unusual unit in that it's pushed far forward in a combat theater. Most physicians will serve in rear echelon facilities that are very safe and maybe even in facilities that are in non-combatant environments, either offshore on a a hospital ship or even in a, a hospital that's say, in Europe or or out of the combat theater totally. But the story that you told, and I'm sure there's many other stories like that, it's kind of part of why we are all physicians and what makes it different from a a regular desk job. And in your case, why serving in the reserves is even greater than or different and more moving even than some of the experiences in the hospital because you're there. And if you weren't there, you wonder who would be there. Who would you recommend that could go and do something like this or make this commitment? What kind of person or what kind of background? The kinds of things that are seen the most in the military environment are general medicine, emergency medicine, and and surgery, and all the various kinds of surgical specialties, whether they're orthopedic surgery, vascular surgery, ear, nose, and throat, any of those. Those are the ones that are in the highest demand. However, you know, the military also provides medical care for dependents throughout their whole system of hospitals. And sometimes the the physicians that get pulled forward to do other duties, they have to be backfilled by physicians from the reserves. So I can honestly say that while there may be some specialties that are more highly desired, just about anybody can serve in some capacity. And if you're healthy and if you're active, you like a little bit of adventure, then I think that you could serve. What's your personal chances of deployment again? It's a matter of when. That's the thing that you need to, probably need to understand about the reserves today is that years ago, I can say that it, the world was a safer place and the chances of us being involved in conflict were relatively small. And I think that that has all changed. The global conflict has suggested that we're going to be involved in some conflict someplace for quite a while. And as a result of that, it would be naive for someone to join the reserves thinking that they would spend their, their whole life just doing a week in a month and two weeks in the summer. The chances of deployment now are relatively high. And it may sound like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth to say that deployments are not always bad, but the chance of actual deployment is fairly high. So you, you certainly should plan on it. And in certain units, the chance is much higher than others. The Army has been going over quite a bit. The Marine Corps, obviously, 
maybe the Air Force Reserves and the Air Force may be not mobilizing their people as, as much as the Army and the, and the Navy and Marine Corps. So if somebody out there is listening and they're saying they want more information, they want to get more involved, or they want to find out what it's really like, what advice would you give them? Well, you know, if they know a colleague who's a reservist, that's a place to start. But if they don't, the actual process of, of finding out about it can be a little daunting. It may be hard to find somebody. They can certainly contact me, anybody here in the program. I'd be glad to entertain questions. My email address is erdocmark, E-R-D-O-C-M-A-R-K at AOL.com. And I'd be glad to answer their questions or help direct them to someone who, who could answer their questions. You know, it's been great talking to you. Thank you for your time, Mark. Thanks, Shira. I want to thank Dr. Mark Plaster, who's been our guest, and we've been discussing the physical and some of the psychological impact of being a physician-citizen-soldier. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions on this or any segment, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.